Just wanted to thank the show sponsors, Exoskin. If you haven't used them, feel free for 20% off. Use my promo code T, the number 4U20 for 20% off. I use all their products. I really enjoy them. They have great socks, both toe socks and normal socks, calf sleeves, compression bottoms, and then compression tops. But they, um, their technology uses rapid copper, so it reduces friction, which then reduces moisture. And we all know when you have moisture, that creates blisters and whatnot. So I really like the socks, calf sleeves, compression bottoms, and uh, compression tops. And I really appreciate Exoskin's support throughout. They're a big supporter of the Amazon TV show that Ryan Clayton and I are putting together and just highly recommend you check them out. So again, T, the number 4U20 for 20% off. Big thank you also to Hammer Nutrition. Have another promo code 252888 to save 15% off your first order. I think it's technically a referral code, but you'll see me eating a ton of gels, a ton of Perpetuum, Recoverite, even as I kind of modify my diet a little bit at least at the beginning of this year. So hopefully you enjoy this episode. This is my race recap of across the years. I was a little ambitious. I went for both the last person standing race and the 200 mile race. I thought I could maybe pull off both races. I like making kind of unique challenges for myself. So that was the logic in going into this. And I had held back all of 2019 doing the triple crown doing almost every race building into the triple crown. It was hold back. Don't be an idiot. So of course we start 2020 and I'm ready to actually see what, you know, see what I can do. It's, I've been waiting so long to just open up and try to run a little bit faster. I am definitely not an elite. So don't ever get that idea in your head. I am very average. I'm just trying to push my limits a little bit more from middle of the pack. So enjoy this episode. Thanks for listening. I'll tell you about it when it happened in the race, but to be honest with you, it happened even before the race. It happened in the training. A great cause. Oh, thanks. Man. I respect the shit out of that, man. So you keep doing what you do, it, man. Keep inspiring. And that was a moment I, I can look back on now. And uh, that was one of my favorite moments, getting a foot massage by Hayden at mile 62. This is um, a fan of yours, and I'm just calling in to express my admiration. It's Dean Carnassus, the ultra marathon man. Hello, listeners. This is Chris Mako, and we are live. And you're listening to Training for Ultra podcast. This is Anime Flynn, and I'm here talking to Training for Ultra podcast. Yeah, it's like really, I just need to catch up with Rob. 100 miles is not that far. I, I thought oh. it was a joke, actually. It, it is. I thought it was one of your jokes, yeah. It is a joke. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so classic. Oh my god, you because literally thing would be like beep, beep, beep. Mother, mother, beep. Mother, mother, beep, beep. Mother, beep, mother, beep, 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 beep. One, two, one, two, three, four. <laughs> Training for Ultra Podcast. I'm Sally McRae, also known as Yellow Runner. Hey, this is Carl Meltzer, the Speed Goat, and I want to welcome everybody to the Training for Ultra Podcast. 
Welcome to episode 122 of the Training for Ultra podcast. My name is Rob. I also go by Training for Ultra. And this is my race recap episode. And I figured why not invite Brittany Cornett, who um, helped crew me. She did some photos and film and stuff and was just heavily involved in, I was going to say desert solstice across the years and my 200 mile race and last person standing race. So Brittany, thank you for joining me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's definitely been a fun weekend and I'm happy to talk about it. It's been cool getting to know you. I know that uh, you're thinking about going, what, 100 miles, 100K? I want to hear yeah. more about your running to, to start with, why we even connected in the first place. Yeah, you know, I was I was talking to somebody um, during the race about this and I couldn't quite remember when I actually found you. I know it was on Instagram. And I was kind of in my between stage of, you know, being over road running and that shorter distance and wanting to get more into trail running. And you were just coming out with your book. It was like pre-order time. Nice. And I was like, wow, this is, this is cool. I like this guy, you know, I'm going to read this book and, you know, maybe it'll speak to me a bit. And, you know, it did obviously, because now it's like, I've been listening to your podcast and we connected a lot more and you know, it's really kind of driven my goals for the coming year. You know, like I have, I think it'll be one of my last road races for quite a while in the next few weeks. And then kind of set my eyes on my first 100 K at least for sure, uh, in October, which will be Havelina hundred. So yeah, we'll see what happens in between then. Did that, did that chapter in the book impact your decision or is it, I mean, you're, you're located in Arizona. <laughs> it's like your backyard basically. Uh, or, yeah. Or both or neither. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I would definitely say both. I mean, between reading that specific, uh, chapter and, you know, everything in between, uh, you know, doing some spectating at Havelina last fall and, you know, just seeing other people out there. It's like, it's kind of like, kind of a, I don't want, I don't want to say like a movie that's kind of just like created right before my eyes or like all the connections that I made, but it's like, you know what? I see these people doing this. I saw that you were doing it. So why not me? And why not now? Exactly. So. I honestly, it's humbling. Cause it's like, Oh, there's a normal guy running. That's like right. relatable. Um, and he's right. not, not doing 150 mile weeks. Like it's actually doable um within a reasonable amount of time of smart training um but yeah i get that quite often i'm happy to inspire people to even i mean i guess it's just like inspiring people to believe in themselves because a lot of Mm -hmm. times we see these superhumans that are just unbelievable and it's gotten to the point where it's unrelatable and so it's just nice i mean to share what i'm doing and I think a lot of people probably think it's ego driven, but I've checked that a long time ago. It's, <laughs> no, for it's sure. all about helping, helping, uh, spark the idea that, you know, you're actually capable. So trying to remember back, you reached out, I think you were like, you know, uh, I, I'd be happy to help if you need it. And then I, you know, mm-hmm. a few months went by and I'm like, you know what, actually it'd be really, really helpful and I'm just trying yeah. to walk through how we connected there. And then it was so amazing. You and your husband, Adam, and Miles, the van, 
Um, <laughs> yeah, who Miles I count the man. <laughs> as a participant in this event. <laughs> but yeah, you yeah. guys were super helpful, and yeah, let's let's just go through what happened at across the years. I mean, in the lead up, you wanted some more details, and how did you feel like that planning process was? It, it's not like down to the T like it's it's more generalized I think and Mm -hmm. I mean taking even a step back from across the years I think what I recommended honestly I think you were asking about races and I was like you should volunteer at a race to get experience Mm -hmm. and and I think that's when I was like you know what you should just come crew and get experience you know it'd be a great help for me but then you'll get some experience um yeah what was it like kind of interacting up until the race start like how did you feel like the planning process was for a 200 miler you know it was I mean I'm not gonna lie I was a little nervous going into it because this was like unknown territory to me right um but I kind of treated it as if I was preparing for like a job interview or something like that where you study everything and like you know, I read the runner's guide probably 10 times and, you know, trying to organize, okay, this is what time uh, we have to pick you up. And this is what time that we should be there this, you know, this is the time that we'll prepare, you know, and it was just basically a timeline. It kind of reminded me of, you know, the days when I used to be a tour manager for like a band and you're, you're planning out, you know, your route. It's, it's kind of the same concept. And, you know, the more I thought about it, the less, you know, nervous I got. And, you know, people ask me, like, why are you nervous? You're not the one running the race. And it's like, well, yeah, but I'm responsible for you and your athletic ability and keeping you on track and, you know, making sure that you keep moving as much as possible. And so it's like, okay, your race was a little bit in my hands, you know, and mostly in yours, but. No, you um, guys, you guys did an awesome job. And Trail runners, it's always like, oh, they're going to pick me up before the race. Like, ooh, because um, <laughs> us trail runners, our, our idea of time uh, is a little different. And so you guys were early when you picked yes. me up from the hotel, which I was like, okay, these guys are on point. Like, that's that's refreshing. <laughs> and um, yeah. the check-in process was weird for me uh, just because they didn't know what to do. <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, and I, I think it was actually weird for a lot of people because I could probably count on both hands how many people asked me that, like, morning after you started, where do I register at? Oh, yeah. Because, <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, it was, like, right there when we walked in, but clearly if you're not paying attention, you kind of missed it a bit. I walked uh, past it, and you're like, yeah, we probably <laughs> should go to the tent that has the big sign that says registration. <laughs> yeah. glad that wasn't on film Um, it was early it's okay (laughs) but i i mean specifically for me it was they didn't know how to handle two bibs i think i was the only one doing two races at the time and the last person standing format i think was this is the first year they were trying it so it was a really cool format but i I think everyone was kind of just thrown off a little bit from their typical routine oh yeah I agree for sure. Those were big yeah. bibs and yeah, <laughs> I had to wear two of them. So <laughs> yeah, which I mean, you made it work. I mean, it was, I'm glad that the 200 miler bib only had the one 
timing chip on it as opposed to the two because if you had two bibs with two timing chips on them it would have been horrible yeah so yeah i honestly that was probably the most stressful part of the lead up well actually no almost having my flight delayed and having to reroute mm-hmm. and do all that um that was pretty stressful and unexpected but i've kind you know i've kind of gotten to the point where like i told you the major part of the race in terms of sleep deprivation had been completed not the night before the race but it's always two nights before the race starts if you have a really solid night of sleep that's foundational I think a lot of people always put so much emphasis on the night before, and it's actually, at least in my opinion, two nights before. And then, I mean, it's nice to get a good night's sleep the night before also. Um, Mm -hmm. And I nailed both of those. Like, I actually haven't slept that well probably before any race, but having those two solid nights of sleep, I was ready to go. And, I mean... Walk the listener through what the start line was like from your perspective. You know, it was probably, it was actually, it was pretty quiet. Um, I mean, aside from the music, it was very low key. Um, You know, I don't know if that was because there wasn't a lot of people participating in, you know, last person standing or 200 miler, but you know, it was, it was low key. Everybody seemed really chill. Um, you know, they did the debrief, I think it was like, what, five or 10 minutes before you started. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm, I'm glad that we were able to set up shop where we did because I could witness every single thing, you know, like every person crossing all the turnarounds. We got the best you know. table. It was, we, we really did though. Open. Yeah. We got lucky on that. Yeah. Which I'm glad I noticed it. Cause I'm like, this doesn't have a tag on it. So I'm going to lay on this. It's ours now. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, everyone uh, thought it was weird. You're planking like that early. In the morning. <laughs> no. I'm bringing it back. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, watching, you know, I mean, the time went by so quick though, like that morning and, you know, before I knew it, you were over in the debrief and I was setting up the camera and, you were off and then it's like, you know, here we go. Yeah. I really like the fact that the course is, I think it's 1.04 miles. For some reason in my head, one mile roughly per loop is just a perfect distance. Um, yeah. A a quarter of a mile, way too short. I need, you know, I don't need to see you four times within one mile. (laughs) Uh, Palmer death race, which I've done a few times. I think it's 0.6 or 0.8 just mm-hmm. uncomfortable and I like not being able to see the tents like because it goes all the way around and it's all pre-lit so you don't need a headlamp during the nighttime which is super convenient mm-hmm. and I mean talk about an ideal setup to like really push your limits I saw it as like just absolutely perfect and yeah yeah the 200 miler start for me i just i wasn't expecting to feel so good um Mm -hmm. and i wasn't really paying attention to my splits i was paying attention to my breathing and running because i've I've done four 200 milers at this point i know where the red line is how to how to run just below that Um, Mm -hmm. and i've also learned you don't want to hold back too much at the beginning of these races 
you can actually be overly conservative sometimes. So it's a, it's a balancing act. And I was running kind of within myself, uh, not paying attention to the times and all of a sudden throwing down PRs left and right. Yeah. Which was unexpected. Um, like we had talked about, I mean, I've, I've gone basically vegan since Moab T40. Mm-hmm. I think the cardio engine has never been running smoother and it was bizarre. It was super bizarre to be running just below eight minute pace, just clipping off miles pretty effortlessly and yeah, in, the, in the zone. Like you, I know at one point you came over, took like a split second rest and you said you, I think you PR'd your half marathon time, like around yeah. when you actually came and sat down for a second. Oh, before then, last person. Yeah. 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 yeah, I ran like a a 140 something, I think 147, which I mean, again, it was, it was trying to ride that fine line of ending at least that segment before the start of last person with an exclamation mark so that I could be, because I was, I was a mile ahead at least maybe a mile Mm -hmm. and a half, um, leading the the 200 miler at that point mm-hmm. and then i had to totally switch gears and pin a bib on to start the last person standing race which was just bizarre but mm-hmm. yeah that that first i think it was almost 14 miles that i did um i think average pace was like eight minute probably overall or just just maybe it- something to that effect which again i'm that's it's weird to me to be running at that pace because that was just comfort level yeah. I mean, you, you had to have been running at a faster pace because I mean, before we get into last person standing, you did three loops and you were still in first for the 200 miler. So, yeah. Yeah. And that, so the last person standing, you're saying the 15 minute miles right. that are forced on you for the last person standing, I was still in the lead there. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, it was bizarre because I don't know. I think last person standing is just a new format. I really, really liked all the volunteers at this race. It was probably one of the most organized races I've ever seen mm-hmm. with absolutely stunning the aid station there, the tents. I mean, how many races can you rent a table for yourself? Like right. rent a tent on premises, like, and having vegan options was crazy. I know oh, yeah. you became the vegan grilled cheese lady. <laughs> I did. You know, I wish, <laughs> I wish I would have remembered like everyone's name in the A station because like how many times I, re- I remember at one point, like you said you wanted like something of substance, but you didn't want any bread. Right. And so I went into the tent, I got you, I don't remember what it was. And then later on, you wanted bread again. And I went back and I was like, can you make me another vegan grilled cheese? And he kind of looked at me confused, like, I thought you didn't want any bread. (laughs) But I'm like, well, we changed it up again. So, but they were the greatest. Like, I mean, yeah, amazing volunteers. Yeah. And, you know, and I, I was able to talk to the woman, gosh, I wish I would remembered her name. But when I ran into her later on Saturday morning when she deemed me the vegan grilled cheese lady, you know, and I told her, I was like, you know what, 
we appreciate you so much because it's not like they had those already made. Like they made them on demand for me. And within she's like eight minutes, one was ready. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah, and and everyone knows how hard it is. Well, if you've made a vegan grilled cheese, that the cheese doesn't melt as quick as normal cheese. So, and they were on point. And she's like, you know, what we try to do is like, we want to be able to make stuff on demand like that for the runners if they need it. She's like, you know, we don't like to run it like a restaurant where, you know, you can expect anything you want, but at the same time, we try to accommodate as much as possible. And, you know, I told her, I'm like, this makes all the difference because, you know, if it weren't for you guys being able to do this for us, you know, then, you know, we would be relying on who knows what. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's the thing. This is rare. So just recognize that at least because when you Mm -hmm. do a local 50 K that's not a air Viper race, you know, I've, I've tended to do races where I know like it's the best aid station pretty much in the world between destination trail, air Viper, just to name a few, like those are pretty much as good as it gets. Um, you're Mm -hmm. getting your money's worth with just, just the vegan cheese alone. I, I right. took down $20 worth. Um, <laughs> but, <Definitely. laughs> um, so that said, there was a hiccup. It was unfortunate. I shared it with the Patreon group. And I want to tiptoe a little bit because I, I don't want to point fingers. I don't want to point blame. It just mm-hmm. happened. Like, it's okay. It's not the end of the world. But I want to hear from your perspective just like a outside perspective. Cause I already wrote kind of the beginning chapter um, of this race, just because this was a little out of the ordinary and the last person standing just for the listeners background, it's one loop every 15 minutes. That's all you have to do. So technically you just have to be in this starting corral. That's like three feet before the start line. Um, every 15 minutes they say start and you go and it's, 1.04 miles and they just keep going um and so mentally going into this race i was ready to run until monday i thought sleep deprivation would be the biggest factor and mm-hmm. so i'm mentally prepared to run for days of this race and what did you see happen i mean well to start with did i did i start with the group you you definitely started with the group in the corral. You were the first one out, and you were basically leading the pack for the first loop for sure. And so uh, I I came through the finish line, mm-hmm. and I I think I still had that eight minute tempo going. Just you did because it was like comfort tempo for me. I I don't know what was going on. Again, I'm not elite. I'm mm-hmm. most of the time middle of the pack here, but my tempo just felt comfortable and that's where I was kind of in flow. So I came through and what did the, what did the timing, (laughs) like the director, some race official, um, in charge of timing, what what, what Mm -hmm. did he like say or yell or how did that play out? So you finished your first loop and I mean, it was, God knows, like, I think it was a little over eight minutes and you came, you passed the corral and then, you know, you, you came and sat down because you had time to kill. And a lot of time, like seven, yeah. seven minutes. <laughs> yeah. You could have taken a nap. Um, and this guy comes over and like the first thing that threw me off is he's like, are you Robert? 
and he called you by like your first like you full name. <laughs> and I was like, at first I was going to say like, oh, he's going to come over and say, wow, you're incredible or you're a great runner or, you know, way to go. And all of a sudden it was like, are you Robert? And you're like, yeah. And he's like, you're out, period. <laughs> and that was it. You're and I'm out. like, I'm like, wait, like, who is this guy? <laughs> And, you know, then he started going over like, you know, you weren't in this area when you were supposed to be there and blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, and I let you kind of deal with it because it was your thing. But at the same time in my head, I'm like, am I about to pull out the video I just took to show this guy (laughs) that you were, in fact, in the corral, in the little green area that they had? He was pretty emphatic. Like it wasn't. Yes. It wasn't like you know, let's, let's just check with him to make sure he's in the time, like in the starting corral and was with the group. He told me I was out twice, (laughs) maybe even three times. (laughs) He was very adamant on being correct, which like, yes, I understand that their job is to be like a hundred percent accurate with this stuff. Right. He's the ref. I mean, essentially, you know, (laughs) exactly. And they had cheating on that course, I think. Or at least oh, an air viper race. So the guy, you know, he's taking his job serious. Oh, for sure. Which I, you know, we appreciate. Of course. Um, but at the same time, it's like, whoa, okay. You know, let's let's take a step back here because yes, you're running two races at the same time at this point. You know, and they're stand. You know, they're sitting right there in front of the corral, so they should have been able to see everyone that started was right there. And I know they were taking count of yeah. everybody per lap before you guys started. I could see it. There were names on a chalkboard. Like, yes. Yeah. Okay. And so, yeah, like, so, you know, and he, he was like, you know, after he went through his, you know, back and forth with you, he's like, well, let me go double check. And then he came back and then you're kind of like confused, like super confused at this point. I think we all were. And, you know, then he came back and was like, okay, you know what? It looks okay. Yeah. And I'm like, it was, okay. It was like the biggest <laughs> mental, F I've ever had. Um, yes. Because you're committed to days of running and then mm-hmm. to do one mile. <laughs> one mile. And I'm I'm mentally committing to running until Monday. And then mm-hmm. to be told you're out like emphatically several times and like basically I was totally turned off to the race within one mile. I, I already had right. like unpinned my bib halfway essentially like – I don't want to be accused of cheating. And what mm-hmm. if I were to win that race? Now it's now it's going to be in question. Um, right. And it just – it was such a sour taste in my mouth. I couldn't stand it. I mean I think I was talking to Jamil and I'm like, man, I'm – I think I might still be winning the 200-mile race. I think I'm just going to focus on that. Like I'm bummed because mm-hmm. like, you know, I was – Jamil and I were, were going to try to go head to head and like make it a really fun kind of event. And it was mm-hmm. still fun. But yeah, after two more loops, I was just like, you know what? This is, it's just not working. I mean, it added, probably took an extra 20 minutes um, compared to what my kind of comfort level was at that point. And so yeah. I, I was the first to drop out of it. I mean, but at least there's, some rationale for the listener's background if you saw that early dnf i mean and it's nice to corroborate it with like an outside perspective um and it's nice that you actually were there to witness it and video it and Mm -hmm. i mean what what else were you thinking in terms of 
I mean, we talked about it after I think the third loop. I was like, I'm, I think I'm just probably going to focus on the 200. I mean, what were you thinking during those second and third loops of the last person standing race? You know, as, as much of a, you know, a cool idea it was, especially because like you said, um, I think the whole idea was to see like you and Jamil head to head, which would have been awesome. Um, but at the same time, it's like your flow was going so well with the 200 mile start and, you know, just to have to stop and focus on basically a whole separate race while you're still clocking miles in on another race. And I could tell with the, you know, the frustration, I think was building up a little bit. And, you know, at that point, like you said, you kind of were like, okay, I think this is what I should be doing. What do you think? And, you know, you agree again. Yeah. I agreed. Yeah. I yeah. was like, you know what? I think this is, you know, this is what you really, I think this is what you came here to do is attempt this and try, you know, try to succeed. Let's focus on this because then we can just keep going as opposed to, cause if you're going to keep going and stop and then go and stop and it's just, so it's going to, it's too repetitive. And for the listeners background, I mean, I text you ahead of time. I didn't want to tell anyone this, but what was, what was my goal going into this race? Your goal, uh, as far as I remember, was to at least win one of them. Yeah, which is very strange for me to message, but I felt like I was in really peak form, and mm-hmm. I've I've had enough experience with sleep deprivation and this distance that it didn't look like <clears throat> any other any other runners had actually run beyond twenty four hours. So, and I know that's that's the point of no return when things get totally totally different and experience counts more than any amount of training really mm-hmm. um besides jamil obviously I, I think he's done berkeley or barclay i mean barclay um, yeah so i mean we so we ended up focusing in on the 200 miler i kept running i was actually relieved to take that bib off um mm-hmm. and just go back into flow and not have to stop and start. I felt horrible dropping out of that race first and air Viper, you know, was super nice to let me try to do both races. And it was a goofy idea. I truly think I could have done both and maybe even, you know, done well at both, but it just wasn't meant to be, you know, it was, there's a hiccup there and I don't, I don't care. I'm not looking back on that, um, any longer. Mm-hmm. And I was totally focused on the 200 miler and regaining kind of that first spot. And again, I felt pretty comfortable. I was just kind of cruising around. And I think after the very end of making that decision on dropping out of the last person standing, I was in second place behind Jody, who was uh, crushing it, keeping a, a pretty, pretty aggressive pace going. And Mm -hmm. I was seriously questioning whether she knew what kind of pace she was holding. Um, We were on like Team USA, like uh, (laughs) national 24-hour team type pace. So I think if you take out that extra 20 minutes from the last person standing race, I was going at something like a 440 or 445 type 50K pace. And... Mm -hmm you push that forward. I mean, it was, it was a sub 16 hour 24 or a hundred mile, uh, effort. So, um, we were looking at sub 40 hour 
200 mile effort, which I don't know. What, what were you thinking in terms of the pace as, as, as I was going, it wasn't, I mean, I, I was trying to slow down and be, um, more conservative once I kind of regain, uh, I think it was a mile lead. What were you, what were you thinking? Did my pace look like outrageous? I wasn't dying. <laughs> no, you definitely weren't dying. Um, I mean, you had the advantage of a flat course, right? Cause you're used to running crazy mountains and whatnot. Um, but you, you were flying, you were going, you were going pretty quick. And I mean, there were, there were multiple times, you know, because obviously my job is to keep an eye out when you're going to come around that corner. And there were multiple times where you would just wave, I'm good. And you kept going. And there was, there were, I think there was at least two or three times where you would do like three laps before you came over and needed something. Did you know what was going on there when I just waved? Yeah. I was in flow. <laughs> yeah, you were. I was in yeah. like, I was meditating. Um, <laughs> those were the good, those were really good when I was like three, maybe four miles of just like a bottle of electrolytes and just mm -hmm. cruising and I didn't want it to end, but then I was like, don't be an idiot. Go eat a vegan grilled cheese. <laughs> <laughs> right. So like, yeah, because at I, one point you were like, okay, I think I need real food now. <laughs> it was pretty early. Like normally I'll go 24 hours um, during 200 milers, but my effort level was higher. I felt like I needed um, something more, of more substance in my stomach than gels, but Mm -hmm. Perpetuum was working. The electrolytes were working. Everything was kind of going as planned. Actually, way better than planned. I didn't expect to run that pace comfortably. Mm -hmm. um, and I, again, was... I mean, I think when that last person standing race ended, I started racing. Like, I was, I was just kind of going with things to start the 200 and not really... I mean, it was fun... It was weird as heck having people say, like, way to go first place to me, like, as I was running. I mm -hmm. never experienced that. That was super, super weird. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, you you even mentioned before you've never actually had to race before, right? I, I've never wanted to race before. This was yeah. fun. I don't mm -hmm. know if it was slight frustration from the last person standing snafu, but um, I kind of went into race mode after 15 miles i was done like just messing around and like yeah. i i thought it would be fun to have that challenge and i was ready to kind of i've talked enough elites i know like what the race mentality is like and a lot of it's mental and playing mental games and stuff mm -hmm. and it was it was really it was kind of a way to entertain myself and have fun you know, on this super, super repetitive course. So, you know, anytime right. you run past their crew, you want to like <laughs> Jody's crew. I tried to like, you know, enhance my form <laughs> and try to like <laughs> act like it was even more effortless. Um, right. Yeah. And smile a little bit, but, and yeah, same with like, <laughs> if you're running with, um, with the person you want to act like, you know, you're not feeling any pain, but it was, right, it, was right. it was fun. It was like a whole different world that um, I was exposed to there. And I was really trying to put some major distance between the two of us to start with. And mm -hmm. I was a little shocked when 
um yeah i was i was only a mile ahead for probably 10 miles and then maybe only two miles ahead after another 20 or 30 and i think after about 100k or 65 miles i think i was three miles ahead to the point where i was like taking my time with grilled cheese and Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) and our brakes slowed down and i went into kind of cruise mode after 50 miles which again i this is so weird to talk about pace and stuff because i don't i really don't care it's just the fallout of what was happening um Mm -hmm. it's not like i went in wanting to hit a five hour 50k but that's just what happened and same with the 50 mile mark coming in at just over eight and a half hours which like knocked at least an hour off it more than an hour off my uh previous 50 mile pr so i was cruising and i don't really know what happened um you know i i did the 100k and i know we did a sock change and i sat down maybe this i did notice sitting hurt worse than normal so normally mm-hmm. when i sit down during a race in a chair like i can get up and it's not a big issue i noticed recovery from sitting down from this race actually hurt worse than normal um but yeah we had that sock change that i was running for at the 100k Mm -hmm. mark which i think came in below 12 hours i think it was like 11 something and i think that's when the wheels started coming off i mean the sun had dropped it got cold yeah it did i mean what what did you see i think you took a nap at one point we're switching with Adam, your husband. Um, yeah. After the 100K mark, what were you seeing? So I missed the sock change because at that point I was freezing and I needed to go put more clothes on. Um, and when I came back, Adam had said, yeah, you change your socks and you went on. And then at that point, you know, you didn't really slow down a ton, uh, but it started, I don't like you had a, you had a pretty significant lead at that point. I think, you know, like you said, you were still around between two and four miles ahead at any point. Yeah. I went into cruise mode. I remember thinking like, there's no way beyond 24 hours she's going to hold that pace. Yeah. So I wanted to cruise it out for like half a day, (laughs) which is like 11 minute pace or 12 minute pace. But then, you know, that's kind of the point, like you said, where the wheels started coming off a bit, um, you know, and it, after every loop almost, I think you were coming over and kind of taking, taking a little bit of a rest and talking things out a bit, um, you know, and that's kind of, you know, that I think that was the turning point a little bit. I want to uh, say, I mean, because ultimately it was my IT band um, mm-hmm. up high on my left side and my hip that like got inflamed probably from the repetitive just flatness of what was going on and and you were helpful because your background um with some of that stuff mm-hmm. i think it was a combination of two things i don't think i was eating enough calories for the exertion level like i'm yeah. used to fueling for slow running and i'm i'm just not used to having to eat a gel every half an hour like that's not something i do like i yeah. I'm a much more 
mellow type pace most of the time. And so if I'm going to actually go for something, I need to eat a hell of a lot more food. I don't think I was eating enough. Yeah. I mean, when you're going out at basically marathon pace at a, on a flat surface, you know, like you said, you know, and you're not used to like, when, like, you know, for instance, you go run a marathon, you're fueling every, you know, 30 to 45 minutes, right. Mm-hmm. With a gel. Whereas opposed to you're running two to three minutes slower sometimes, or even power hiking, it's totally different. I needed to eat more gels. I, I totally gave up on them. Yeah. I don't know if it's the dryness or what it was, but I just, I normally pound 40 of those during a 200. I feel like, I mean, how many did you, I feel like you didn't even take that many. Three to five maybe? Yeah. Like you, I remember handing at least two to you maybe Mm -hmm. for sure. And then after that, you must've grabbed your own, but you didn't, yeah, you did not take that many gels at all. Yeah. Um, I, I agree. I mean, I think that's why I got um, kind of exhausted, but I think it was a combination of that. Um, I just got tired. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a big deal. It was it was a quick. We were going to do a quick kind of reset nap of twenty minutes because mm-hmm. my IT band was feeling it, and so this is super super embarrassing to admit. Um, and I've I've been dealing with this kind of like glute IT band like hip thing, but my office had a okay of all things a bowling party i don't (laughs) ask me that's what that's what they ended up doing um yeah and i swear (laughs) to god i got hurt like just tweaked a little bit bowling of all i did the freaking triple crown without an injury and um so i've been dealing with that and i felt like it had fully like i did a a test run of like a, a 13 miler with maybe 3000 feet of vert week of the race. And it, it was a little aggressive for a taper, but you know, I felt good. And, uh, <laughs> like I thought everything had recovered, but then again, I had 3000 feet of vert. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's like a little bit of a muscle imbalance type thing going on too. Um, but yeah, what did you see with the IT band? Because you have somewhat of a background in that stuff. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, I was a medical assistant for four years. And, you know, having issues myself and working in physical therapy, um, you know, you you started complaining of the pain on the side of your hip, you know, and it was not exactly like hip joint, but like where that IT band is and you were really stiff. And then the other part that, you know, kind of started kicking in was the front of your hip, which is where your hip flexor is. On the other side. Yeah. It was on both sides. And so it was just, it was not, it was not a fun time. (laughs) You know, it's, it's usually okay if it, if it stays to one side, but the fact that we were dealing with both was not a good sign. And, you know, at that point we were kind of, we were sitting and I was asking you like, okay, does this hurt? Does this hurt? We tried to stretch it out. Um, like I remember at one point I was like, have you done a figure four stretch? And you're like, I don't know what that is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, just do this and we'll pull this up. And it helped a little bit. You know, we kind of loosened you up a bit. I was still um, limping enough. You, yeah. To the point where I was like, ah, it's so cold. Like, and it got cold. It was, it was probably around yeah. 30 degrees out. It um, was very cold. I felt like it would be totally irresponsible to take a ton of Tylenol um Mm -hmm. like like 
other people tend to do. Um, I'm not willing to jeopardize my body to win a race. I don't even care what race it is. Like I'm not going to dump, I'm not going to take four Tylenol or Advil or whatever and mask right. that pain. I want those pain signals so I can correct those pain signals. Like I don't want to mask them and, and ignore them. Well, I, was, yeah, because, I was unwilling to do that. That's why I yeah. dropped out at mile 70. I, we tried. Do you remember me doing the butterfly stretch, my inner? Oh, my gosh. I, I thought like you were going to die. Out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, it's it's and, bad. Yeah. We hitting sodium. It wasn't. I mean, maybe I could have used a little bit more, but I was eating pickles and um, things. I, I swear it was just the flatness of the course and possibly just lack of food. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we tried I the mean, sleep thing. We tried to correct everything and it just wouldn't, my legs would not reset and that pain would not subside. Mm-hmm. Now it has, of course. Of course. Yeah. A few days you later. Know, that's usually what happens, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, go ahead. Uh, you know, like you were saying about the Tylenol aspect of it, like, I mean, I definitely agreed with that. I, yes, it's great to like, you know, have an out like that to mask it so you can keep going. But at the same time, it's like, how can you gauge how you feel when you put a blanket over your pain and then risk making it worse and possibly going into injury? Right. Yeah, exactly. And so like I, and they always advise against it anyway, when you're doing high intensity sports, you know, like I think it was like Ironman or something that had a huge pushback uh, a couple months back because they put an ad out for like a leave or something, Yeah, you know, and it's, it's the same concept. It's like, you should, it's a huge no, no, like sure. Take it. If you feel like you have to take it on a recovery day go for it. I, you know, I'm in the same boat you are where I don't like to do that kind of stuff. I don't like to put anything in my body. That's going to make me feel like I'm okay when I know I'm not. I'm so in tune with, I've gotten to the point where listening to my body is like part of who I am, which is right. kind of weird, but yeah, my mind and body are connected on, on that page. And I mm-hmm. want that input. I need those. I need that sensory input to know, like, if I need to have a rest day and that sort of stuff and like, Hey, this could be more serious. Let's take a week off. Cause you know, you might've torn something like I need that input mm-hmm. data. I'm not, um, willing for basically any reason to, um, you know, have a short term gain and, and set myself back for months. So, right. Yeah. Uh, and I, I can run through a lot of pain too, but yeah, mm-hmm. this was just, this was a little bit higher scale pain for me. And again, I wish, I wish I'd, you know, this, this diet change is hard because it naturally, uh, reduces caloric options and mm-hmm. with two hundreds, you need as many calories as possible, basically without throwing up as much right. as you can digest. And I don't think I was at that level, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, if I had it over again, I'd be fueling differently. But yeah, I was I was excited to go for it and try something different and see kind of like push my limits. You know, I've I've been holding back all the 2019. I held back. Mm-hmm. I don't think I really went for it ever um in all the 2019. So 
of course, right out of the gates in 2020, I pushed it um, <laughs> for seven yeah. miles and I, I learned a lot. So I don't see this as a failure. No. I think if anything, it gives me a hell of a lot of confidence going into 2020 that maybe, maybe I'm, you know, more of an athlete than I initially thought myself of, but also I still want to be in that flow state. That's what I'm all about. Like I enjoy, I mean, first and foremost, I need to be having fun in that race. You saw, I was joking around and energetic, even when I handed in my bib at the end, like I was, I was having fun. Um, but yeah, lessons learned. I I do feel like I gave away uh, a win there. But I learned enough that, you know, I'll be back. I think 2021, I'll probably be back. Um, mm-hmm. Plus, I bought the coffee mug, so I need to. <laughs> you in the have little to redeem sticker. yourself. I bought the 200-mile <laughs> sticker, so. Yeah, we'll see. You just put it face down in a drawer for now. No, it's right on. <laughs> I'll take or, a picture and send it to you. It's right on the chalkboard right now. Oh, boy. It's a reminder. You F this race up. You gave away a win. Like, you need to refocus. Right. I mean, at least you you know what to expect now, you know, coming into it. You know, like you said, this is the first time you've even done, you know, kind of like this type of race. And this is the first time I'd across the years, you know, at least least going into it next year, you'd be like, okay, you know, we're going to get it this time. I'll have you get 15 grilled cheese ready <laughs> i'm just gonna have like a grill at the table you need like a holster on both sides with grilled cheese like <laughs> um i'm gonna get i'm gonna get a shirt made that says vegan grilled cheese lady so <laughs> they like know me next time when i show up <laughs> get the grill ready Britney's right. here. um so let's shift gears that was my race recap i mean i wish i had a better story there um but that's just what happened and it's honestly it's really nice that you were there to take it in and yeah let's shift gears and talk about your running a little bit i mean i guess what did you learn from this race that you hadn't known like have you run an ultra before and also i want to hear like what you learned from across the years that you're then going to apply forward yeah um so never ran an ultra longest distance I've done personally is a marathon. Um, and that was, gosh, what year is it? It's 2020. So 2018 was the last time I did a marathon. Um, so going into this, like, yeah, I was like super excited because, you know, yeah, I spectated my first ultra last October, but it's totally different being on like the crewing side of it because you're actually involved. And, you know, like you said, it's a big learning opportunity for me to be like, okay, so, maybe this is how we should do my ultra races, you know, coming in the future. Like let's set things up this way, as opposed to the person three tables down that has just a bin full of crap. Um, you know, we definitely, I definitely had a lot of takeaways as far as like organization and, you know, making sure I figure out what fuel works and what doesn't, because I'm kind of in that in between stage right now where like stuff that has worked in the past isn't working anymore you know, especially because I've transitioned to a vegan diet and, you know, kind of like, you know, all the, like the little accessories, like, you know, I rely on Bluetooth headphones a lot right now. Right. But like when you're running a race, that's, you know, 12 plus hours, you can't do that. 40. 
yeah. plus hours. Was, <laughs> I got a lot of comments. I got a lot of comments I like time, that. time to update your headphones. I'm like, dude, <laughs> you have no idea. Like, yeah, I saw that. I was like, okay, I really wanted to be like, please find me a pair that lasts longer than you know <laughs> six hours or nine hours, and then you know maybe I'll buy them. Like, it, there's Plus none you have out to there. Carry your phone the whole time. It wasn't efficient use of resources. Mm-mm. Like that little tiny iPod. And then the knockoff iPods that I had, like, did you <laughs> yeah. notice a weight difference though? Like not having to carry your phone. Oh yeah. Battery life. I mean, I've like, I, you know, I just transitioned to using a hydration vest when I moved to Arizona. Like I never had that in Michigan and you know, it's nice to actually have like a pocket to put my phone in as opposed to like in my pocket, like on my pants. Mm-hmm. But even when I can, when I don't have to run with all that weight, it's so much different. You know, and so, you know, I definitely learned that rely on your aid stations, you know, don't skip them like you do sometimes when you run a road race, like a half marathon or a marathon. And some people just go right through them without even blinking an eye. Um, You know, I learned about specific setup and strategy and, you know, if the course is a specific, you know, like this one was flat, for instance, right? So it's hard to train for something like that because, you know, especially if you live in a town like I do, like I live in Fountain Hills, right? So it's that Hills is there for a reason because that's all it basically is. It wasn't just a, like a sales pitch. (laughs) No, like whoever named this place, did it right. Because it's like, people will ask me, they're like, Oh, do you do Hill training specifically? And I'm like, yeah, unwillingly. Yeah. Because it's like all of my runs are Hills and I, I have no choice. Yeah, I could run on a treadmill every day, but who wants to do that when you live in the desert and it's sunny all the time? I've um, leaned I've leaned on a treadmill just because it was blistering cold a few times. And then, yeah, just for whatever life reasons, using treadmills worked enough that mm-hmm. I've learned to kind of accept it. And it's, yeah, I go into flow on the treadmill. So I've trained myself to zone out i have the tv going so people don't think i'm a weirdo like so i'm basically (laughs) pretending that i'm watching tv but i'm in flow like i'm not really paying attention at all yeah Um, and i think they're really good for mental training too yeah Yeah, like you you can go on a long run for 20 miles outside but like when you're on a treadmill for that long like please tell me that in your head you're not screaming because you know you are at one point (laughs) so that's, yeah, I mean, I'm. That's I'm the not, key. That's the key. Like, enjoy yeah. your training. It doesn't mean all your training is enjoyable. It's more about how you perceive enjoyment. So exactly. Most people don't get that, and they just hear me say, "Enjoy your training." That's you know, to go just breeze around and and joke around and don't take things serious at all mm-hmm. i mean i'm all about having fun and joking around on the trails and going out and playing on the trails but um yeah i think the the key is enjoying is a relative type word and if you can train yourself to enjoy even those harder efforts or you know bad weather days that is one of the key missing elements to a lot of people's training mm-hmm. definitely yeah i mean i agree with that i think you know, going back to in the beginning, we were talking about how I kind of connected with you and like your story is that, you know, I kind of went through a hard time with my training because, you know, I was at that point where I was kind of like, 
you know, you do the scroll through Instagram and you're kind of seeing like, oh, this person was running, you know, eight minute miles and oh, look at them. They Boston qualified. And here I am, you know, running, you know, 10 minute paces thinking I'm super slow and I'm not having fun because I'm not doing as good as I think I should. And, you know, all of the other factor that people are so hard on themselves for. Right. And, you know, that's like the transition between like, you know, like another guy I was talking to at the race was like, you corral for a marathon and everyone's so uptight and like, is my watch on? Like, am I wearing, you know, oh, you know, and they're so like nervous and like, and it's like, you know what, let's just go and do it and see what happens. You know, (laughs) like, like I learned that, I learned that from Courtney too. Like she, a lot of times when she talks about a race, it's like, well, we're going to show up, we're going to see how it goes. And you know, that's it. And it's all you can do. No matter how much you worry about it, it really, it's not going to change your performance for the most part. I mean, it's, Mm -hmm. it's, you've already done, and I always say this, but Sun Tzu, Art of War, like every war battles won before it's fought. I mean, you've already done everything you can do once you go into taper. Like there's no fitness Mm -hmm. gain, really. Um, You can only sabotage your own race and just enjoy it. I mean... (laughs) It's, yeah. it's truly, it's like, we're so lucky to be able to run. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people that aren't that fortunate. And mm-hmm. for me, it's helping me make healthy food choices and live just a lifestyle that's much healthier having that race objective on the schedule as opposed to not. Like, I love having those goals, even if they're idiotic, even if I go out there and have a totally bad race, you know, like not even make it halfway of the 200 and drop like life goes on and ultimately no one cares. Like, and I make myself super public, like overly public because I want to show you, it doesn't matter. Like Mm -hmm. if people unfollow me or, you know, stop supporting me because I went out and tried to run harder and push my limits. Like, I don't really care. Like it doesn't matter to me and you shouldn't care either. And ultimately no one's going to be, analyzing your results and if the only person really analyzing your results is you and so just Mm -hmm. go out there and and put forth an effort that's going to make you happy like no one's going to be impressed like i haven't even looked at kip chogi's marathon results i don't care like (laughs) the best marathoner in the world like right jim wansley like (laughs) Like, i just don't care what his splits are i don't care i think I think They're more great. people cared about those shoes than the actual race. <laughs> <laughs> there was more talk about Nike or vapor flies or whatever they're called. You could literally be paid 100% to run. And I don't mm-hmm. care what your results are. Right. Like, I, yeah. I don't judge Jim any differently if he wins or loses. Yeah. I, same with just... Courtney. Courtney, I actually <laughs> like, I love her no matter what her results are. She's just a Absolutely. nice, fun person. And she's always smiling on the trails and. Right. Yeah. You know, like, I think we talked about that in the van um, one day, you know, where we were like, this is why, this <laughs> is why she's river. my, f- down by the river, you know, <laughs> miles, partying miles. Um, <laughs> I think that's why I told you, I'm like, Courtney's my favorite runner. Like I, she is like the one person, like female that I look up to the most is because she shows up, you know, she's wearing like the most comfy clothes on earth and it's like, cool. 
<laughs> so what are we doing today? You know, like she's like the honey badger. Like, she, yeah, she just she doesn't care. Like, she'll just do her own thing. She has no yeah. training plan. She's just having fun. You know, she's pushing her her training at some point, but oh yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I, like I the, think she enjoys it either way. So yeah, and I mean, she's just as transparent as you are. You know, she admits defeat. And she's like, yeah, you know what? I didn't feel good. And so I stepped out because that's smart. You know, there's a big difference between running smart and running stupid, obviously. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, there's going to be those people that are going to run through, even if it feels like their leg is going to like tear off. You just have, but, to, it takes some experience to learn when to pull the plug mm-hmm. um, and a willingness when you think you know, long-term injury is high, pull the plug Mm -hmm. and also know like Moab 240, I ran for probably 70 miles on a quad that I was like really trying to figure out what was going on. Like I wasn't sure if it was torn or not. Um, but experience had taught me that normally I could run through that thing and it would reset, uh, where this, the hip, like where it was, I just felt like, the odds of it being so inflamed, like and tearing, were higher. Um, as mm-hmm. odd as that sounds, it was less, maybe a little less painful than the quad was um, at Moab two forty this year. But mm-hmm. yeah, and again, don't. Who cares about DNFs? Like no one's, right. no one's really hit me hard on my Georgia Death Race DNF in two thousand nineteen. Mm-hmm. Like no, no one even remembers it. I hardly remember it. Um, Right. And yeah, it's, it's just one race. So, um, yeah, I want to hear what, what other races you have coming up this year. You said you have one kind of last road marathon and then mm-hmm. have you signed up for the hundred K yet? Uh, not quite yet. So yeah. So I have the Mesa marathon February 8th. That'll be, like I said, that's going to be probably my last road race for a while, unless for some reason somebody like, pulls my leg and says, Hey, come run this with me. But I mean, I'm, I might do mountain to fountain, the 15 K here in fountain Hills with, uh, the Wazel team, if they do it, that's in March, but that's kind of like a side thing for fun. Um, I, I kind of have hot foot hamster on the back burner in May, mm-hmm. um, which is basically the same setup as across the years. Like it's like a a loop course, but the loop is only, if I remember correctly, it's only 500 meters. Okay. So it's even, it's even smaller and timed events uh, are great. Yeah. Like I want to, I want to attempt a 12 hour. I think that would be a good starting point for me to at least, you know, get some good miles in. And I think I would easily be able to get over 26. I would hope. (laughs) Um, you know, my, my Just average go out mix- as hard as you can. <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, Oh, well, Rob did this. So I'm going to do this too. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, Havelina a uh, hundred for sure. Um, hundred K haven't hundred K. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. That's awesome. I'm yeah. recommending that race actually to one of the people I'm mentoring. Cause it's, yeah. it's a smooth course. Like it's, it's a, it, there's definitely some technical stuff there, obviously. Um, oh Yeah. And it's hard going around the loop and not dropping. So mentally it's hard, but it's reasonable, yeah. I think, for your first 100K. Yeah. And that I mean, last loop's going to be hot. So heat yeah. training is going to be kind of a key for you. I mean, I think 
I have a little bit of an advantage because I live like 10 minutes from McDowell Park. Yeah, that's so a big advantage. If Giant. I want to, like I could go run the course today. Well, I mean, I wouldn't, but <laughs> that would be really dumb. Um, you but, should go do a loop today. Yeah. Right okay. now. Well, well, Hang on. Yeah. <laughs> go do a loop. Um, yeah. I'll probably make it like 10 miles and then call you and I'd be like, <laughs> I need air support. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, spectating it last year was just like epic. Like it was just, and it's on Halloween weekend this year. Like, how could you not run it? Are you going to do a costume? I kind of want to. I just need to find something that's functional to run in. I'm a, I'm a big believer in, <laughs> you got to finish the race one time and then it's costumes. But yeah. until you get that, that first belt buckle, like you gotta, you gotta hold back a little bit. No, like yeah. Fred Flintstone. <laughs> Full blown car action. Um, oh my gosh, that guy was so cool, though. <laughs> I was blown away seeing that guy out there. He, he did it uh, in 2017 when I did it. Yeah, um, he was out there last year. I think he ended up taking the car off though in like his like third lap. But <laughs> slacker. He even had like a like a I don't know like a roof to block the sun. Is like yeah. probably one of the most ingenious costumes for running I've ever seen. Yeah, it was like a personal canopy. It was per- it was perfect. Uh, uh, but yeah, I mean that's that's kind of like my my schedule for the year. I mean, I basically I wanted to come into 2020 with like as least amount of stuff on the schedule as possible because this is kind of my year to transition into a whole different type of community and distances and challenges. So nice, yeah, yeah. A lot of times planning can just muddy the waters and freak people out. So, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, you, you can't be a complete idiot about it, but yeah, there's, there's definitely benefits to having that schedule open and you know, when your fitness level peaks, you can sign up for a race the next month, you know, like, right. And, and go for it. I mean, yeah. So do you think you'll ever do across the years after witnessing the, train wreck (laughs) (laughs) you know yes (laughs) through all the stuff we went through i would most definitely run that race like just being around the people that i saw like i mean gosh there's this lady from australia uh i think annabelle i can't remember her last name but the last time i checked which was this morning because she's doing the 10 day i think she was at like 630 miles that's amazing and it's, you know, like, it was awesome seeing Catra out there with her dog in her backpack. <laughs> Catra is so nice. She So, funny story, just really quick. Uh, I was messaging her before the race. She was mm-hmm. running and messaging back. And I was like, maybe I found a, a dog sitter for you because we were going back and forth about it. She brought her pups. And I was like, well, I'll see you. And hopefully we can share some miles and whatnot. I, I see her. Um, during the race. And then afterwards I post like the day after what happened, she messages like, are you okay? Like what happened? She's still mm-hmm. running. <laughs> like, yeah, that's unbelievable that she's still going. And I think she's hit a new PR with distance, but she's yeah. been so nice to me. Like, and everyone knows her. She, and she goes mm-hmm. out of her way to say hi to everyone. It's same at Havelina. She's the same way. It's like, Right. Yeah. What, what like an that's, awesome person. But yeah, yeah. that dog pack. 
<laughs> so cool. Talk about sponsorship opportunity. <laughs> right. Come on, dog yeah. pack maker. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I had the privilege of meeting her at the Javelina Expo because she was doing the book signing. And, you know, it's like, I don't even know you. But she like I walk up to her and I said I went to go shake her hand and she's like no I'm a hugger we're gonna hug and I was like okay yeah. <laughs> so yeah uh, epic epic person I love her um, but yeah I would run in a heartbeat like like you said like the organization was great the aid station was awesome the volunteers were just it's like it's like you've met all these people before mm-hmm. and you're you're friends already but you don't even know it yet exactly. I mean, and that's if, that's the best part about all. If Aravipa ever lets me back to that race after uh, <laughs> my snafu, um, I I think I will actually try next year to do um, the two hundred, yeah, or the last person standing. I'm not going to try to do both. I need to focus my efforts on one thing and give it everything just to that one event. I think I stretched myself thin trying to do two, and yeah. I wouldn't change my pace. I wouldn't change anything about how I actually ran the race. I think I could modify my training. And I'll end on this note. I started heart rate training back, I think it was September 2015. Maybe it was 16, doing 15 to 16-minute miles. Heart rate training, (laughs) basically tearing up because anytime I climb a slight hill, my heart rate monitor would go off the charts. I'd have to walk. It was so frustrating, humbling. Everyone was running past me, walking past me. I'd have mm-hmm. to jog so slow. I felt like I could walk faster, but I just trusted that, you know, eventually I would get faster and faster and faster. And if you're in that spot right now, just trust me. Keep focusing on small incremental gains. And it's taken me four years now to finally be able to just cruise at sub 10 minute pace. But -hmm. if you're smart about it, you just keep slowly getting tiny, tiny, fractionally better. Um, It starts actually building. I'm not elite. I'm not. (laughs) I'm doing Black Canyon 100K here in February. There's no freaking way I'm going to be even top 50. And (laughs) that's okay. Like, it's just fun. But believe in yourself and know that smart training today and injury prevention today will lead eventually. And we don't think in terms of years in our own minds, but just have patience that eventually it will lead to um, getting to wherever you want to go, whether it's distance or speed or some combination. So, and mm-hmm. Brittany, you're the same way. I think you're going to do really well with trail running. Best of luck to you. Thank you so much for crewing um miss vegan grilled cheese lady and (laughs) yeah thanks to adam your husband and you guys just made the experience so much better so i'm very appreciative where can people follow you on social media oh gosh let's see instagram is at Brittany g so it's b-r-i-t-a-n-y-g gotta get it right um i'm on twitter at at run with britters and I think that's really it. Like I have a Facebook, but I don't use it. So there's really no point in sharing that. Um, and then I have like a little blog too. It's corkscrewsandcadence.blogspot.com. Sweet. Brittany, so. thanks for all your help. Thanks for joining me. And let's stay in touch. I'm in Phoenix next month. So 
Woohoo! Yeah, anytime. And that's episode 122. I hope you enjoyed it. Big thank you again to Exoskin and Hammer Nutrition. Big supporters of the TV show. Thank you to those Patreon supporters. Hopefully you guys have seen kind of a behind-the-scenes sneak peek at my upcoming movie, Desert Solstice, featuring Kyle Pietari. But thank you guys for the support. Have a great week of training. Don't forget to enjoy your training. See ya.